Hey guys, welcome to Tipsy Theology. I'm Paul, and this is Anonymous. <laughs> no, this is this is Trey, Pastor Trey, Trey Pastor, Trey Pastor, and Pastor Paul, Pastor, Pastor Poo, as we call him Pastor over here in the studio. TP and PP. <laughs> well, this is Tipsy Theology, where we ask, we try to tackle tough questions, and life's tough, so we might as well drink while we're doing it. We're taking our inaugural shots. We got we got the old BT on the line here. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start off with our little fancy Atlanta Georgia Coke shot yeah, that's glasses. That's beautiful. They're really making moves down here. I didn't actually know they had down here in Florida. I didn't know it was like such a big thing because I never heard about Coke. I mean, I heard about Excuse it. Me? I've been to the grocery store, but I mean, like <laughs> the factories and stuff. It's not like like here everyone's like, oh, Coca Cola, Coca Cola, and up in Ohio where I used to live, it's like. Oh, we got Morton Salt going on. <laughs> so that's what I'm used to. So I'm not getting that. <laughs> I, let's okay. let's drink. Yeah. All right, <laughs> please. Cheers, mate. Cheers. That's the stuff. Oh, that's BT. Uh, that's yeah. All right, dude. That's always a solid vanilla right there. Dude, how many vanillas do you give that one? The vanilla scale. It's vanilla. I give it seven. Seven vanilla. I was thinking seven or eight. Yeah. Mm. I probably give it. I like BT. You want to you want to pour what's next? No, you go. You do it. You do it. Okay. I'll pour the beers. I'll pour the beers. All right, you get the beers. But let's so let's take a minute for a second here because you you mentioned you wanted to to talk about do a little recap of our our view on alcohol. Yeah. All right. So this is the this is this is the official first episode yes. of the Tipsy Theology Podcast. Yes. Because we're here in a professional studio. <laughs> I put emphasis on official because mm-hmm. there's also an unofficial first episode out there yes. already. Welcome to the first episode. <laughs> how, how do you think that podcast went? The first one? Yeah, the first one. I wish I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was definitely a first one, I would say. There's definitely a lot that we're learning. We're still learning. Um, But let's, so alcohol. That's what, that's what we tried to tackle in the first one. We kind of got there, but we also didn't really get there at all. I- I think we were just so excited to to tell our stories. Yeah. About and the fact that we were starting this podcast, we were so excited to do that. Yeah. Oh man. I think we really forgot the fact that we were there trying to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we we spent about five minutes in total talking about God and alcohol and yeah, that's probably true. They're interrelated. That's probably true. <laughs> anyway, so we'll we'll do a short recap about. Uh, the good stuff that came from that episode, so it only it should only take about five, five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, why don't you go ahead? Um, you let's take, take a, a shot, shot and then let's t- tell me your thoughts. Uh, first of all, we've got this uh, Baku rum. Ooh, you know how I feel about the the Baku rum. That smells good. Yeah, I do like that. Mm. Dude, that's vanilla. Compared, <laughs> when you do it like after the BT. Yeah. That doesn't taste like alcohol at all. No, it actually, I'll be completely honest, this is not a joke. It tastes like um, like a vanilla plant. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. Like, I think it's because of the Buffalo Trace. I think it enhances that. But it's so sweet and it's very soft. Yeah. So how many how many vanillas do you give it? <laughs> <laughs> I give it an eight vanilla for sure. Eight vanilla, yeah. All right, so BT7. Yeah. The rum. We're going to go. Yeah, eight. Eight vanilla. Eight vanilla. Fantastic. Any other tasting notes? You know, it is sweet. It's kind of like that's rum. Um, I'm trying to think. 
because there's what I'm. It's like a very like it's kind of like honey, the sweetness to it. You know what I mean? It's not like a strong like sugar. It's like a it's like a brown sugar. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Let's talk That's about let's talk about like alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me uh, your thoughts. Because it we're doing a podcast where we're drinking. <laughs> yeah. And but we're also very serious about our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bible has things to say about alcohol, right? So we don't want to just act like we're just throwing that to the wind and saying, "Ah, to, to hell with it." Let's just let's let's. Yeah. No, we want we want to take every situation ser- seriously, and we want to try to honor God and uh, honor honor the absolutes, honor uh. Yeah. Our can neighbor I, and our. Can I add a pretext to this as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one thing that I think is is interesting about how we're approaching things so i i would say that we're both fairly open-minded people at least we strive to be um i consider myself a truth seeker more than anything i'm someone who cares about finding the truth and finding what is what is right yeah opposed to me just being right (laughs) there's a lot of things that i know that i believe that probably aren't true so i want to i want to examine those things and i think you're the same way yeah i think we both we can both admit that probably most everything we believe is probably not totally right. Probably not totally right. <laughs> it's probably missing the mark yeah. uh, uh, in different in different ways, in and different what, extremes, yeah. And so that's what's interesting. So there's a lot of things that I think we approach things similarly, but we've come to very different conclusions. Yeah, yeah. So our, and heart, so, our heart is really, yeah. our heart is towards, you know, being, honoring truth and also being, positioning ourselves to uh, fulfill the, the two greatest commandments, to love God mm-hmm. and love our neighbor with yeah. to, to the best of our ability, right? Mm-hmm. So as it pertains to to alcohol, though, uh, all I want to give is just practical. Like this is this is how I have come to terms with the subject because I spent most of my I, one thing that I think is important about my testimony is that I spent most of my life saying I'm never going to go near this stuff, mm. so that it can never uh, lead me to do any of the the harmful outcomes that it leads other people like yeah. alcoholism drunk driving just reckless things because alcohol if it is abused it's dangerous and yeah i i hope everybody can admit that right uh, and that's something we need to constantly cognizant of so that mm-hmm. we never allow ourselves to fall into yeah the adverse effects of alcohol so what i do practically speaking is i plan one night where i drink at home and one night where i drink with friends and then I leave one night open to spontaneous. <laughs> but once I've reached three days and a week of drinking, I say, let's just let's not drink anymore this week. Mm. And that I mean, that's kind of kind of arbitrary, kind of not. But it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's important, too, because there is kind of a subjective side to it as well mm-hmm. of like, how does this affect you? Yeah. Because um, I think that's that's the thing that I think inside the I'll, I'll say inside the church from my experience there's a huge heavy-handed side of this. There's negative effects, so stay as far away as you can from it. It's the worst thing on earth. When it's like that can be true, <laughs> like it can be a very dangerous, destructive thing to people. But it can also be a blessing. And I think inside Scripture, there's evidence to show, or there's there's support to show this is a benefit. This is a blessing that God has given us. Yeah, we yeah, can yeah. enjoy in moderation. Mm-hmm. And so I'll add to that. Speaking practically, ex- just. Exactly what you're saying here is I also don't drink if I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, I, I agree. O- I only drink if if I'm already enjoying my uh, either my solitude with myself or with mm. my friends. If I'm in a good headspace, then I'll drink so that I can enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, and sometimes it's uh, I'm somebody that that thinks 
a lot and it wears me out <laughs> i'm a thinker you know i just i just be thinking i think about a lot of things <laughs> and sometimes alcohol helps me to, to loosen up yeah I, i'm also tend to be more introverted and sometimes i want to be more extroverted and get along with people a little bit mm. better and alcohol loosens me up to, to do those kinds of things yeah um so i think we can we can cultivate a healthy relationship with alcohol without abusing it and i yeah, think that I, agree. I think there are some people who who shouldn't drink alcohol uh, you know some people have like they're prone to alcoholism mm-hmm. and they should probably stay away from it but if not then, <laughs> then they they should they should try to cultivate a healthy relationship with it uh where they don't abuse it but they don't also they're not afraid of it they they pro- instead of projecting their fear onto the alcohol mm-hmm. they they recognize that it is themselves that they need to come to terms with yeah instead of blaming alcohol they need to recognize their own uh susceptibility to to anything Cool. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. <laughs> Fantastic. I think that's the funny thing. Out of I guess the only thing I will add to that is, out of all the things I think we're that we've discussed so far that we disagree on, this is one of the things we do agree on. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is we healthy. love alcohol. It's that's great. what we agree on. Yeah. I enjoy it, but if it becomes an issue for me, I'm more than willing to stop. Yeah. And as we do this podcast, this is a topic we're gonna keep coming back to. <laughs> yeah. Because I imagine that the thing we'll get the most flack for is. Christians can't drink. Yeah, and here yeah. we are. And, and here we are, <laughs> being Christians and drinking. Darn. Darn us. <laughs> oh. Well, let's take a shot of absolute. <laughs> so one of the things I think we're planning on doing this podcast is saving the worst alcohol for the last shot. Be the yeah. worst one. That's how it is. You gotta hit us the hardest. That's life, baby. <laughs> All right, cheers. One, two, three. <laughs> Yeah, so I hated that. Oh. That tastes like hand sanitizer. <laughs> How many vanillas do you give that? I give it a solid Zero. one. Oh, can it be less than be one? Be a little nice. Be a little nice. <laughs> no, I don't mind vodka, but taking it straight is a different ballgame. <laughs> Guys, if you if you don't go back and watch the unofficial first episode, which I recommend you don't actually. <laughs> you you got everything you needed to from this one. <laughs> the two the two things that went wrong in the last podcast is one we cheated and had a beer before we started the podcast, yeah. so we broke our rule. And then our last shot was absinthe, and I think yeah, that one hit. the absinthe sent us over the edge. But I want it back because it tastes good. And so we drank more than we should have. Yeah, but we recognized it, and we're correcting our actions. And we learned from our mistakes. That's basically repentance, right there. <laughs> I think without the pregame, I think we could bring absinthe back. Yeah, I'd like to bring absinthe. Me too. It's a great wild card. <laughs> it's so good. Random. We'll we'll see. All right, but that's great. So let's let's jump into it. So we have that was our you know we've got our drink for the for the week. That's something we we like to always do. This week is a little bit different, but it's still we're still kind of following that tradition. Yeah, we like to find local breweries where we can go and enjoy the craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something so we're, we we're starting as local as possible. And I wish we were doing Swan Brewing again this week. I agree. That should have been. I mean, that was the unofficial first episode. Maybe it should have been the first real episode. I want to bring it back. I liked that beer a lot. We'll definitely well well Swan City we love Swan City so we'll bring that back. Oh yeah, but and they've got some other great stuff we'll ha- we'll hop into as well. Yeah, so there's a we, lot of great breweries around here. What are we working with tonight? So today we've got I actually don't know how to pronounce this but it's uh it's Cigar City. I I want to say it's JLA. That's what I was gonna go for. Okay, but if I was gonna be real white, it would be JLA. But I think you're right. I think that's JLA. Probably, that's probably not it. Let's go with JLA. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sweet. That makes me sound the least ignorant, right? <laughs> so, t- did you? I, I'm a, I'm kind of a nerd, so I looked up the history of this beer. 
Well, just because I want to yeah. know what what JLA was. So about. this was the one that you recommended. Yeah. So, um, well, I think this is probably this is definitely Cigar City's most famous beer. Yeah. But I, I also, see this one everywhere. I think it's like the most famous like this region of Florida beer. Really? Yeah. Because it, it, if you go to like all the like big chain restaurants, they if they're gonna have a local beer, it's gonna be JLA. Okay, that's probably true. Yeah. Because I remember when we were at uh, where were we for the uh, AJR concert? U- USF. That was the only beer they had, was JLA. Really? Yeah. And that was. Yeah, that was at USF. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I, I saw it in places in Ohio all the time. It was always on the menu somewhere. So maybe this beer is too big for our podcast. <laughs> it's too big. We can't do it. It's not uh Well, no, so this is a good one. So this means our listeners all Man, over yeah. the country can enjoy it with us. Sure, yeah. So if you're listening to this, you can go pick up some JLA. Crack open yeah. a cold JLA and uh, drink along. All right, cheers. Cheers, man. All right, Paul, what are we talking about tonight? Can't cheers and not drink it. So tonight, we wanted to take a step back. Because I think one of the things we noticed on our first unofficial episode was that there were a lot of anecdotes that we had that were podcasts in and of themselves. And it brought us back to another question that we need to ask is just how do we think? Because I think that's that's the one thing that, at least for me, that I know really affected how I viewed Scripture and how I approached the Christian faith, and I think it's the same for you, which is, okay, how do we take all this information and approach it properly? Yeah. Because there's a lot of, I mean, for anyone who's read the Bible, it's pretty weird. (laughs) There's a lot of wacky stuff in there. Um, So I know for me, you know, I think that the, and you can give your side of this, um, for me, when I approached my kind of, because I had a whole thing. I grew up. I grew up in a Christian household, but I kind of f- fell away in my own way. As far as I think, this is a bunch of hooey. Um, and then I started going on a journey, and I learned a whole lot. And then I realized, oh, I do actually believe this. Hmm. Um, I had that kind of encounter myself, which is a whole long story we don't yeah, have to get into. I was about to. I was going to be like, I want to know about that. But I, we'll talk about it. We'll talk. It's a long. Us, it's a lot of stuff. Going on these anecdotes again. But I'd say so. One thing I've I've kind of gone through over the last several years has been oh i need to rethink the way i approach scripture the way i read it the way i study it yeah the way i approach christianity in general because there's so many different denominations there's so many different ideas behind it it's like what's right what's wrong well so i think for me the one thing that i landed on as far as this is certain this is the main and plain thing everything Mm -hmm. else can be questioned and there's obviously a right answer to it in some way or another yeah but i don't think a lot of us have it, or we might have snippets of it. So for me, I approached it with Christ crucified and resurrected. You're still not for me, though. I am, <laughs> because no, I agree with that. I well, think that's uh, a yeah. great way to. That's I a great st- way to. I stole it from <laughs> from the other Paul. Sweet, the one that he's that a great has guy. Letters in the Bible. Yeah, he's a great guy. But no, I I agree with that. I think it's a great way to word it. Mm-hmm. As far as like, that's the only thing that is certain. Everything else is questionable in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, it's we're all getting flack for saying it like that. <laughs> It's up for discussion. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a softer way to say it. <laughs> well, I I just think it's ignorant of us. Yeah. I, I'm not going to call anybody else ignorant without calling myself ignorant. It's ignorant for I'm us. I'm the dumbest person on planet Earth. <laughs> oh, don't be so self-evasing, you, <laughs> you and your inferior complex. Anyways, <laughs> it's ignorant of, it would be ignorant of, of us to think, hey, I was raised in this denomination 
Yeah. And then go, that probably means I was raising the best one without <laughs> even thinking about the obviously other Obviously, that one's right. <laughs> like, obviously, I was born into the best denomination when there's 100,000 out there. <laughs> I'm the luckiest man alive. I, I'm the luckiest man alive. I was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so our topic today, um, just to reemphasize that, is how do we think? How do we think biblically? How do we think about scripture? How do we approach these yeah. topics? And because there's a lot of hard hitting stuff that leaves, you know, any Christian, any person in any stage of life, just scratching their head, scratching their beard, whatever they have, they're yeah. scratching something. You know, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, how do we? What do we do with this? That's yeah. kind of the thing. Yeah. And so, say some words. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> well. Do you mind if I, you know how we we talked about the uh, Christ crucified and resurrected? Yeah. Do you mind if I give my example? I'd hate if you give your, no, please. <laughs> yeah. You okay with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I went through a phase that the, the, the cool kids would call deconstruction. I hate the word deconstruction, but that's basically what it was. And my deconstruction was built, I, I knew that I didn't want to just burn down all my beliefs. I needed something foundational. And of course, the foundational thing I came out with was Christ crucified and resurrected. Yeah. And then I thought, well, everybody can get on board with that. <laughs> you, go, you go up to any pastor and you say, yeah. and they're like, well, what do you believe? And, I, and I'll say, well, I believe Christ crucified and resurrected. And they'll go, yeah, me too. And? And <laughs> being gay is a sin. Yeah. And it's like, Maybe maybe the majority of Christians fall in the category where they do believe being gay is a sin. Yeah. And hopefully they got there uh, based on the a loving approach to mm -hmm. the gay community. But most of the time they don't. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, 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 you don't get it. All <laughs> I believe is Christ crucified <laughs> and resurrected. Yeah. Everything else is open for discussion. Yeah, and I think that's because that's a big thing too. And this is big in how we approach things, at least how I approach things, is through, you know, what we like to call a worldview. <laughs> so, ah. You know, it's like it's like how do you view the world? And also with that is, I think your worldview is attached to your identity. I used to take a, I so it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I took a, a biblical worldview test one time. Yeah, yeah. To see how much my uh, worldview was aligned with the Bible, and the questions were like, <laughs> oh no. Do you believe the earth was created in seven literal days 10,000 years ago? No. You don't have a bit of a biblical <laughs> oh, <worldview>. no. <laughs> and that's one of those things about it, too. It's like that's where um, denominational worldview lenses come in. It's like, oh, there's all these different filters we can throw on top of our worldview. There's how we were raised, and then we throw in Christian domination, work history, you know, whatever you want to throw onto it. It's all it filters experiences, world. Yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's one thing that I think is important is let's try to strip those things away. Mm. And actually look at it as unbiasedly as we can. And I think that's what's what's difficult about that is because there are some things that we hold so tightly that they are we identify them with who we are. Mm, yeah. And so I think that's what's difficult. It was difficult for me in how I was rethinking things. There's things that I'm even now where I'm like, I don't really want to try to, you know, say this is wrong. Or even if there's something that shows me that I might be wrong, because this is who I've developed myself on top of. Mm. And so I think that's where it's it's tough. It's like, okay, where are you really putting your foundation on? Yeah. Do you really believe Christ crucified and resurrected? Or do you believe Christ crucified and resurrected and smoking's bad? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. And I think that's where— Smoking what, Paul? Uh, 
tobacco. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll get into it. But so, you know what I mean? The, we're throwing the cigars for later away. <laughs> get yeah. rid of them. Can't smoke those, the glory you got. <laughs> um, but you know, you know what I mean? So that's, that's a big thing. So it's like, okay, how do we... And that was a big thing for me. It's like, okay, how do I actually view these things so i was in a i was in a weird situation where i was raised in a non-denominational church yeah which is the most confusing thing ever because it's, yeah, it's like, like what do i believe yeah what I, do we believe yeah i grew up with a lot of other christians like oh i'm a baptist i'm a blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. it's like that's awesome what are you i'm non-denominational what does that mean we don't know <laughs> it means whatever we want it to mean. <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing about denominations though is that it offers a framework yeah it's just the framework needs to be held very loosely yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's where I, I would agree with I think that's how we should approach um thinking about scripture is take your framework, because that's how you're gonna compare things, but hold it loosely. Like, does this actually hold up? Mm. So one thing I heard, this was totally unrelated to anything biblical. <laughs> it was uh it was a YouTube video I was watching. And one of one of the guys said it, you know, if you're he was actually uh he was a um VR effects guy but he held an opinion about something he said if your opinion is too big or it's you know too big to be questioned hmm. there's something wrong with your opinion wow there's something wrong with your view yeah and I actually agree with that I was like okay if you're if your stance is beyond question there's probably something wrong with that mm-hmm. or you don't know it well enough to defend it yeah well so that that gets that that brings us back to the the Christ crucified and resurrected yeah like is that too big of an opinion to be discussed because that that is my essential framework yeah but it's still something i'm willing i think i should hold loosely Hmm. it's just that i didn't want to give up my i needed a framework yeah and and i i do think there's plenty of evidence to believe that christ was resurrected you know that he did he was crucified and resurrected uh so i do believe that Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe people struggle to believe that, and I think that's okay too. Yeah, because I mean it's kind of ridiculous. It is. The dude died. <laughs> came back to life. He came back to life. What? <laughs> but and so the analogy the analogy I would use too when I was going through this deconstruction period mm-hmm. that's what you want to call it. I wish I had a better term for it. <laughs> was deep dive X ray. <laughs> I am walking on water, and the only thing keeping me up is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's that's kind of what it was for me. I think that's where the essence of this framework is. It too big to be questioned? No, because people have been questioning it for years. Um, but I know for me, where that belief came from, sure, there's some like there's people who have made empirical, um, you know, uh, theories about it, mm. being like, oh, here's evidence that supports that. Here's evidence that discounts that. Yeah. That's, but beside that, it's like, I think this is one of those questions, at least for me, and I'd love to hear your, your opinion about it, is this is one of those that really comes down to faith. Yeah. Where it's like, I, you know, for me, I believe it because I had experiences with Christ. I feel, I believe I experienced Christ, and I was like, this is the thing that I believe, mm. um, regardless of, you know, em- empiricism, empirical evidence. Yeah, yeah. It takes faith. Yeah, and this is this isn't something I've like fully fledged out yet, so I don't know if I want to. That's what we're I, here I'm for. Gonna go, I'm gonna go for. We're here anyways. for the tough stuff. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling the beer in my system, so <laughs> let's, let's send it. Okay, full send. <laughs> I think you can be a Christian 
Oh boy. <laughs> this is how you know it's getting good. <laughs> when Trey has to think about it for a minute. <laughs> I think you can be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection. Okay. And I think it's the gift of faith that allows you to believe in the resurrection. That's really interesting. But so that that kind of opens the whole can of worms about other podcast topics. It like, does. What does it mean to be a Christian? And, and I really want to go into that. But I think for the sake of this, based on our framework, let's stick with the framework of yeah, we believe that. Yeah. And I'd love to actually go into that another time. But let's 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 take it back for a second. So we believe Christ crucified, resurrected. How do we use that as a framework? And how do we then approach scripture? Yeah. Or approach the world even. Okay. Um, so I know you mentioned it earlier too, outside of the podcast, <laughs> that you actually wrote uh, a paper about something similar to this. Do you want to get into that? We can, yeah. I'd love we, to. We, we've got we got a few minutes that I could get into it. Oh, man. Time's <laughs> flying, dude. <laughs> so, so one of the things that really shaped the way I think about the scripture yeah. was, well, I was, I was reading... Uh, I was in a hermeneutics class. We were learning how to interpret the Bible. Big word, big word. Hermeneutics is where you learn how to interpret the Bible. Yeah. Uh, That's what biblical interpretation is called. It's hermeneutics. And we we read John 1.1, which is, in the beginning was the word. Mm -hmm. And we focus on this word, word. (laughs) Yeah, the logos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, logos, logos, however you say it. I've heard like 15 different pronunciations. I I say logos. That sounds the most Americanized. That's true. We're, we're we're Americans. Yeah. So, <laughs> I the the word logos caught me by surprise. I was like, well, I want to know what that is. So I looked into it. Yeah. Uh, it, later on in my college career, I did write a paper on it. Uh, but a word, be, logos being translated a word does not do that word justice at all. Logos is so much more than just word. I think that's fair to say for a lot of a lot of Greek and Hebrew. Sure, 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 sure. So what do you? But what, this in particular, because this is. This is a big stance that a lot of people go on. Yeah. So when you when you hear in the beginning was the word, what do you what do you think what comes to mind when you hear word? So what comes to mind is because of the teachings that I've been under. So whenever I hear that, I've been taught to think when you see in the beginning was the word, you think Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. But logos was this philosophical concept that was developed by a guy named Heraclitus. That's my smart fact of the day. <laughs> Around 500 years before Christ. Okay. And Heraclitus, you know, he's he's a deep thinker, and he's thinking, oh, there's— This there, came 500 years before Christ? Before Christ. Interesting. Before Christ, which is—I mean, this—why I'm telling you this story is because that one verse— Yeah. In John 1, 1, that one verse made me realize the Bible wasn't written in a vacuum. Mm. The authors were— exposed to things real life things yeah they're they were exposed to to greek philosophies yeah and I, I i always like to think about uh paul in act 17 where he's uh he's he's uh where, where's he at i think mars hill he's he's in athens hmm. and he goes around and he sees all these temples where they're worshiping different gods and he says you found the right god Forget all the other ones. There's this one God, the unknown God. Mm. That's the right one. Yeah. And yeah. so he takes, he, he, he meets them where they're at and says, hey, this is right. Yeah. Let me tell you about him as the incarnate Christ. That's cool. I think that's an important little sidestep, little side point that you brought up too, was the fact that the writers of the New 
Testament in particular, they weren't stupid. <laughs> like they knew how to read. <laughs> it's like I hope so. they read things. Yeah. It's like they knew the culture. They knew what was going on. This wasn't stuff that was. These weren't brand new ideas for them. Mm-hmm. In so you know, in some ways, as far as like the culture, what the people there believed, you know, it's like the way they were writing was to those people. Yeah. And Anyways. so, like you said, they'd meet them where they're at. Yeah. And so it seems like like John, by writing, in the beginning was the word, he's responding to this long line of Greek philosophy that started with Heraclitus. Hmm. Uh, Pythagoras yeah. gave some thoughts on what he thought the, the Logos was. So he had a Her- lot of theorems. <laughs> That's so dumb. This is, this is not a math <laughs> podcast. Leave that, leave that crap ah. <laughs> No. So Heraclitus really thought, oh, man, the alcohol is getting to me, so I'd, I want to do this justice. But Heraclitus yeah. was like, the Logos is like this unseen harmony. It's like the universe. Hmm. It's, all, it's the thing that holds everything together, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a verse in Colossians that comes to mind, and I just can't remember. It's something, it, it basically says that's what Jesus is. Hmm. Um, you know, that's a big theme in the New Testament, too. What's that? The fact that there's all these—I mean, we're looking at Greek and Roman history. That's the that's the age of wisdom, you know, the age of philosophy. The fact yeah. that all these people are have creating all these theories and theorems about things. And then the New Testament writer, New Testament writers, even in Revelation, Jesus is coming out and saying, yeah, you know that God you worship? That's me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm better than that person. He's wow. like, those things, that's me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I— then. So it's 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 an interesting theme that the New Testament goes through. The writers mean like those writings those guys people those people wrote. This guy. Yeah. Well, so my theory is. Yeah. Paul, uh, not Paul. John. John was, I think he was responding to Greek philosophy, but more so, I think he was responding to Philo. Do you know who Philo was? By Philo, name, but not by. So Philo was like the same time period as Jesus. Okay. He was a Jewish scholar that tried to interweave Greek philosophy into the Jewish religion. Mm. And he had tons of opinions on the Logos, too. But first, I want to go through. Uh, Heraclitus thought the Logos was this unseen harmony. Mm. Pythagoras thought it was more of an empirical thing. It was like reason and order. And then uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, they had their ideas about what Logos was. Aristotle actually delved into the whole thing and was like, there's a good Logos and there's a bad Logos. And that really reminded Mm. me of when I came across this, I was like, that sounds a lot like maybe like a Jungian psychology where it's like you have the shadow and then you also have the ego maybe. I mean, that's that yin-yang idea. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. So there's a a chaos side of Logos and the order side of Logos as well. Uh, But Philo, actually, you talk for a minute. I'm going to pull up a quote by Philo. (laughs) I have it in my notes. Okay. No, so it's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot here and I think that's what's, like I was saying earlier, that's what's interesting is the fact that there's so many, there's so much con- context and complexity to what's being written, where we look at it with our with our um, materialistic third, not third west, you know, west mindset in our own culture, and be like, oh, this is for me because I live in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like, no, this was not written for you. Or not written to you, but it was written for you. It was you. still written for you, yeah. Yeah, it was written There's... for you. Something for you to glean, because I think that's the big thing about Scripture, which is cool. It doesn't really deal necessarily with specifics. It deals with larger issues that can be broken down into specifics, or specifics can be broken down in these larger issues that the Bible touches. But it uses the complexity in the context of what was happening in that day. Yeah. 
in in regards to and that's why I think it's important for a lot of other Christians too is like examine the writings that were being written at that time that are extra biblical not saying that they're canon mm-hmm. that they're on the same level as scripture but this this sense of saying that these are things that the writers knew when they're writing so yeah. the more you understand the 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 culture at that time the more you understand what John what Paul what anyone was trying to say if they were influenced by things yeah yeah because they read these things. They could be inspired by God and still write within their culture. Yeah. Write within their context. It's, it's interesting. I know this was something that um, a, uh, a uh, scholar that I that I like a lot, he talks about the fact that being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these inspired writings mm. didn't mean like these guys woke up one day and like, oh, look, I wrote something down. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like that's not what that means. Like they wrote these things, but it had the inspiration of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that they were able to write those things. But it was them writing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, they weren't just you know just zombies writing stuff down. <laughs> I mean, we get, we inerrancy and inspiration. That's a whole topic. It is. We could get into. Yeah, it is. Because I'm sure you you probably hold to a higher authority of Scripture than I do. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna read this quote. And it's a uh, guy, last name Borgen, scholar with the last name Borgen. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I should have wrote his first name down. That reminds me of, it's uh, <laughs> terrible. Do you know Victor Borga? No. So he's like a old school, he was a classical pianist, and he was also um, a comedian. Okay. And he combined the two things. Uh-huh. So when you say <laughs> Borgen, I think Borga, and I just have all these different sketches going into my brain now. I think I know what sketch you're talking about. He does a he does a whole lot of really cool stuff where you'd be like playing classical music and then like pretend something exploded or something. Yeah, or, yeah it was great. All right, but yeah, <laughs> total tangent. All right, so this quote it it kind of it shows what John, the apostle or whoever wrote the Gospel of John, yeah. thought about the logos, and compares it to what Philo thought about the logos. Hmm. Um, of course, it gives more wait to what John's saying because it recognizes Christ as the Logos. Um, but in this quote, we can also see what, what Philo also thought of the Logos mm-hmm. and who who I think John was responding to. Because I think, while I think John was responding to this whole history of Greek philosophy, I think more specifically he was responding to Philo. Mm. So here's here's the quote. John conceives of the Logos as incarnate, and of the true man, Jesus Christ, as dwelling in all men as more than reason. The Logos, which in Philo is personal, only in a fluctuating series of metaphors, is in John fully personal, standing in personal relationship with God and with men and having a place in history. As a result, those elements of personal piety, faith, and love, which are present in Philo's religion, but not fully integrated into his philosophy, come to their own in the gospel. The Logos of Philo is not the object of faith and love, but Hmm. the incarnate Logos of the fourth fourth gospel is both lover and beloved. To love him and to have faith in him is the essence of that knowledge of God, which is eternal. Wow. That that hit me so hard when I read it earlier. That's so cool. Wow. Wow. So for Philo, to stereotype Philo, Philo was the academic that was kind of closed off to his emotions. Mm. And mm. John comes in and says, Philo, thank you 
for the work you did on the logos. But I want to add that you can know the logos because <laughs> he's a person. Wow. He's Jesus Christ. That's really cool. You know, it's interesting. That reminds me of, I did, so in a little bit of preparation for this, I wrote down one verse, um, which is 1 Corinthians First Corinthians 3.18. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. So this verse alone, this is Paul when he's writing to the church in Corinth. Paul, how could you doubt that I don't know the whole Bible? <laughs> you know, every you could you could quote the entire thing. In fact, he will right now. <laughs> After this episode, stay tuned. I'm going to be reading the Bible. Genesis one one. My brain. <laughs> Hopefully, by ch- by verse three, they'll tune out. And <laughs> I can say whatever I want. <laughs> um, so it's First Corinthians three eighteen. This is in the ESV. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, so it says, "Let no one deceive himself." If anyone among you thinks that he is wise and is in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Mm. And so it's interesting. So it goes on to say that it's like the wisdom in this day, in this age, which is talking at the time of the Greek and Roman, you yeah. know, pinnacle, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, yeah, that think like they're thinking their wisdom is futile. And so what's interesting about that, and I think that ties in exactly with what you're saying, and the fact that the person who thinks that they're wise, that I have it, I have everything, I have it all figured out, it's, I've got it all together, it's like, well, that's futile thinking. <laughs> like, you don't have it all together. You don't have it figured out. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about it, especially looking at that time, you know, with, with Philo or Socrates or Plato, these people who spent so much time just diving right into these ideas— they, I mean, they themselves would probably also admit it. They didn't have it figured out. Yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with you about this too. Reading a lot of um, Plato's writings, a lot of a lot of those dialogues, it always ended with like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> every single time. Well, you know, Socrates is his most famous quote is, "I don't know anything." Yeah, and that's it's not true. ever. But, like, but it's basically that. <laughs> like he was, he was known as the wisest man. Yeah. of that time. Because he knew that he didn't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And I think that's that's also interesting. And I think this is where, um, I don't remember who said this, but I, I heard someone say this, um, which I thought was a really interesting quote. The fact that, you know, the best advice is usually can be contradictory. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll add this. Yeah. Heraclitus, going back to Heraclitus, his understanding, because I, I quoted that same scripture in my paper. Hmm. Because of something Heraclitus said. Hmm. He said Herac- Heraclitus said that the Logos was common knowledge. Hmm. But n- but everybody else was seeking wisdom. In-, in their seeking to gain knowledge, couldn't recognize the common knowledge of the Logos. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So it's like... <laughs> wow. It's almost like... I don't want to say that that this pursuit of knowledge that people like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle were after was futile, mm-hmm. but it's almost futile. It's almost for nothing without yeah. the personal aspect of Christ, like Christ incarnate. And that's where I would agree because that changes everything. I think there's a sign. And there's a lot of things that, and maybe this is maybe this is a little taboo to to say out loud. But the fact is, like, there's a lot of things that they wrote about, which are so um, almost inspired. Yeah, yeah, and they're very interesting. 
I'm not. Yeah, I, I know for myself, I'd say I don't. I wouldn't put them in the same level of scripture. Yeah. But there's a lot of people. I mean, I was even. You know, I read the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Masashi. I, I told you about that. And it's interesting. There's a lot of things that he says, and he ends it with just this phrase, which has always stuck with me. It's just like think about, think on these things. Think on these things. Yeah. And it's like that's such a such a deep way to say that, in the sense of like it's true. This guy who is, um, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's uh, known as like one of the most famous samurais, the last samurai, I think, in some ways, of not Tom Cruise. <laughs> he's <laughs> uh, like he, he here's this here's this insanely skilled person who's telling you his philosophy about fighting who's only had success at that time it's like if you go into a fight with someone someone's ending up dead mm-hmm. and he's the one who li- who's living a full life so obviously he's won a lot of fights yeah and he's writing you his philosophy about how does he approach each battle how does he approach these things and he ends it with saying think on these things <laughs> it's like what <laughs> And I think in a lot of ways in Scripture, it kind of ends with that thing, too. Yeah. It doesn't exactly tell you exactly this or that, mm-hmm. but it, it gives you a story. It tells you, here's this. Think about it. Think about it. Just think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where, I guess in closing, I'll say, and I want to hear your closing thought as well. I, I'm going to read from this paper I wrote to close. Okay. So you go first, and then I'll close with... Then you're gonna upstage me. <laughs> no, it's not great. It's not <laughs> oh great. no! It's really. I'm sure it's amazing. Ah oh, man, there's 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 so many other things I wanted to say, but we sh- we should keep this short. Yeah. And so what I'll say for myself wait, is wait 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 wait. Can I quote Luther first, and then you close? <laughs> yeah. And maybe this is a dangerous quote. Do it. I like this. But Luther is you know controversial figure in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church. Of his time. He's controversial in everyone's church. <laughs> and so he's at the Diet of Worms, and they're condemning him for, for what he's doing. Hmm. And they're like, do you recant what you're saying? Hmm. Do you go back on it? And I know this quote. I like this quote. And here's what Luther says. Because I think it pertains to, it may not be what our original conversation intended to be, but it's still, it's still, uh, it's still close enough that I want to quote it. Because it's... Okay. It's powerful, and it it shaped my faith a lot. So here's Luther. (laughs) My conscience is a prisoner of God's word. I cannot and will not recant, for to disobey one's conscience is neither just Hmm. nor safe. God help me. Amen. (laughs) I love that. Holy crap. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we don't need any closing thoughts. <laughs> well, especially well, when I when I read my conscience is a prisoner of God's word, I don't think the Bible, I think Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the logos. Yeah. <laughs> God's logos. <laughs> oh man, the, ah, we got to do another and episode that's part, of the logos cuz we really have to. to there's yeah. so much there's so much inside of that. And I think that's good. So bring it back. I'll close with this yeah. is in a larger perspective of like okay, how do we think? What do we do with this? And we'll we'll end with with Luther. God help me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because that's really what it is. It's like, so there's there's all these things that we've been taught, and I'm sure some of them are true, and I'm sure a lot of it is not true in some aspect, in some way or another. So what what I would say is like, how do I approach, how do I approach scripture? How do I approach these topics? Is God help me? <laughs> and the idea of I'm going to do my best to digest uh, the information that I've been given mm-hmm. 
and I'm going to go with that until I have more information to digest and then compare it. So it's like, how do you how do you approach these things? How do you think about these things? Take in a lot of information and then yeah. pray that God will help you digest that exactly. information. Yeah. Follow your conscience. Mm-hmm. Don't be naive about it. Yes. Yeah. You can be naive and say, well, my conscience said this. Well, yeah. did you consider any other perspectives? Mm-hmm. Or are you just following the denomination that you were born into? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then still, once you come to your conclusions, if you can come to a conclusion... Say God help me. Yeah. Oh my God. If we, if we, all... <laughs> and always be willing to admit that that's probably wrong. <laughs> if it's not Christ least, crucified and resurrected, just admit that it's not the perfect stance. <laughs> it might yeah. be second to best, yeah. but yeah. it's not the best. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and that in yeah, I guess to add to that, <laughs> we could keep oh, adding. Here we go. Here we, we go. could keep adding. I hope you turn this on double speed because here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I would say just to, and I promise to finish with this. <laughs> Annie doesn't believe us. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, yeah, just finish with that too. It's I, I'm reiterating the same thing, but it's basically the fact that God has given you so many avenues mm. to understand and explore who he is. Because ultimately, that's where it comes down to. <laughs> who is God? Who is Jesus? Who are these people? Who are we trying to follow and become? That just frustrated me so bad because I'm like, oh, that's a whole nother topic. Right I know. <laughs> but yeah, so how do so going back to that, how do we think about these things? What you do is you, like we said, we take in all of that information and filter that through um, who who is Christ. <laughs> Christ crucified and resurrected. Filter it through that. Well, I would say, yeah, filter it through the, uh, filter it through truth, love, and beauty. Yeah. Truth, love, uh, not love, goodness and beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not even, uh, that's not, anyways. And again, with goodness, we could have a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Because goodness is a whole huge thing. Filter it through the two commandments. The <laughs> yeah. two greatest commandments. <laughs> yeah. Is this helping me love God more, mm. and is it helping me love my neighbor more? Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure we'll repeat that all the time hope those are great things so let's let's close the tab let's close the tab cheers i'm gonna read what i wrote because oh yeah 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 yeah. at first it sounds really empirical like i'm summarizing all these philosophers belief on the logos (laughs) but then the last sentence hits hard i hope do it i wrote this paper a year ago so i don't remember (laughs) young trey The Logos is at the epicenter of metaphysics because all conceptual truth flows from the Logos. It is the hidden harmony of which Heraclitus spoke, but it didn't stay hidden. And the Logos became flesh and lived among us. That is part of what it means for Christ to be mediator. In Christ, abstract truth meets physical fact. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations, so says Colossians. Mm. It is the unmoved mover of Aristotle. It is the invisible God of the Jews. It is the physical Christ. In the Logos, John states to the great Greek philosophers and Philo, yes, there is a Logos. You got that right. (laughs) But the Logos is more than just reason and order or some abstract thing. It is a person to know in Jesus Mm. Christ. That's sweet. I like that. I like one one year ago, Trey. One year ago, Trey was... The Logos adds clarity, to summarize that. Amen.
Thank you guys for watching. <laughs> Catch you next time.